Good day. Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. This is episode 50 for us. Yes, in front of a almost live studio audience, <laughs> which consists of my kids, who I think right now are playing video games. So, in 50th episode style, we are going to have our own clip show, right? Just like that's what that's what all those famous sitcoms in the 80s and 90s did. Except with no actual clips. Oh, yeah, no actual not. clips. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we forgot to edit the clips. Right. Dang it. Okay, well, we, we have a special... One in store for you today, so we're going to have fun talking about a couple different topics, uh, and we're going to go forwards on this, backwards on this. Yeah, we're going to talk about a couple different things, a couple different questions that have come up since we started the podcast from individuals, uh, some nuance in some of the issues, and so in a way, it's like a clip show because there will be a couple different topics, and yet, hopefully, it helps each of us grow to be more like Jesus Christ. Episode 50. Yes, sir. Live today. We are here. We are here. Yay, yay. And it's kind of fun. Don't know if uh, you know this, but recently eclipsed sermon number 402. Oh. Yep. Oh, that's right. You, your your yep. sermon number. Oh, wow. Yep. My 400th sermon was uh, this last year back in uh, April. Wow. Congratulations. I know. I don't know what that, I don't know if like. That means you're 400 times better. No, oh gosh. I think that means like uh, somebody in there is like 400 and he's still not better than this. Yeah. So sorry guys. I'll do my best. Uh, yeah, it was John five 39 to 47 on March 27th. Wow. Yep. So that was fun. I was hoping that the X files one was three ninety nine. I should have timed that better. Cause it's so good. The X files. <laughs> yeah. So there it is. Um, this year's our 10-year, too, by the way, in December. Oh, that's uh, we right. We celebrate God's faithfulness of 10 years, Lord willing. Um, you know, so uh, hopefully we'll all be here for that. And uh, I mean, if the Lord returns, then I would happily give that up for that. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll celebrate with us. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Come back, celebrate. Yeah, exactly. Yep, in the flesh. That'd be awesome. So, uh, yeah, we have a couple... So since we've started this, we have talked about many different things. Uh, I think I think people that listen regularly and talk to us um, have noted different parts of the podcast that are probably reoccurring major themes in all of our podcasts. And so uh, that is the need to minister to people, to serve people. Uh, that is the need to to rest in Christ and that to, to, to learn from Christ and that to, to learn from Christ and to do ministry in a Christ-like way both exalts him and is the best way to serve other people. Uh, we've talked about expectations a lot, major part of our church culture. Uh, we've talked about uh, truth and preference a lot, and we've talked about love a lot. And so over the years, um, oh, we've talked about wisdom. 
And I think we've said quite a bit that wisdom is the missing element in the church. I uh, recently preached on the need to have wisdom uh, in ministry. And so um, all that to say that, of course, you, you talk about these things and these topics don't go away after you talk about them. They, they keep developing in your head. Uh, you keep seeing how nuance happens. You keep flushing out different situations come up that make that remind you that in general, some of the things we say are not hard, fast, black and white truths, but that instead there, there was the, even, even when we talked about them in the situation, we talked about them, there's some kind of wisdom there. And so expectations has been one of those constant discussions with different people. You know, I've heard people say, Oh, your expectations podcast really helped over marriage out. Uh, to help me navigate people better. Uh, I realized, you know, that uh, it was unfair of me to put expectations on other people, especially when they're unaware of them. And it's like, yes, amen. Like, and by the way, we all still struggle with that. I think that's the core of the human heart. It's uh, we want to put expectations on others, but and not on ourselves. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, and, and so that's even Jesus's warning, I think, in Matthew 7, when he talks about, um, you know, Matthew seven, one, it's the famous verse that you can't, you know, that, that you can't tell people the truth because then you're judging them. Yeah, it's, it's right. the one Bible verse that every unbeliever knows. Um, <laughs> judge not. Hey, do you know that there's sin? Oh, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Okay. That's okay. But in verse two, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And so a lot of times um, we do hold people to these standards that are not real. They're important standards in my mind. Their important uh, schedules, plans, behavior, actions, a lot kind of further defining that in the expectation discussion now. Um, you know, in my mind, my family is going to have the same plans and agenda I have. And I don't need to communicate it because it's just obvious. Well, that's that's not fair. And so we talked a lot about that. And I think if I could summarize that podcast from two years ago now, I would say that hopefully what people got out of that is it's unfair to put un it's unfair to put uncommunicated, unagreed upon expectations on other people mm-hmm. that instead we need to expect ourselves to serve other people. Uh, it's unfair to, um, to then get upset with them for not living up to our expectations. And a lot of times those expectations are false hopes and can actually reveal idolatry or some other sinful tendency in our own heart. And so even here in Matthew 7, 2, in the way you judge, you will be judged. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And what's interesting is, is Jesus then says, why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that's in your own eye? And it's because to have that kind of expectations for other people is in a sense hypocrisy mm-hmm. because you do have some kind of measure and standard for them um, and expectation, but the reality is you don't live up to it yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a, Jesus doesn't say, Hey, you might. He says, Hey, listen, why, you know, it's like, Hey, if this is the way you're living your life, um, the measure that you, you know, that you give on to others is going to be judged to you. And the reality is nobody could live up to their own standards in that way. And so that's where pride comes into this. That's where, you know, it kind of bleeds into this discussion of truth and preference, which I want to kind of answer and nuance in this podcast as well. And so all of that to say that, that this is important because it still comes down to these other questions. You know, these other questions still pop up. Um, You know, for some people, they hear the expectation discussion and they have this 
fear of, oh, so you're saying there's no, like, it's not okay for there to be any standards. Mm-hmm. And, and it's weird to me because I think it's human tendency to hear something and immediately run to the opposite extreme. You know, and I think it's why Paul raised the question in, in Romans 6. Um, hey, you, you are saved by grace alone. And then when you understand the gospel, there's almost this party like, oh, so you can just go sin because you're saved by grace. And Paul's like, heck no, because you're united with Christ. And that's the short, 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 short summary of Romans 6. Um, that because you're united with Christ, you live as if you're united to Christ because that's reality. You are united to Christ. So live like, live, live like that's real. Um, so therefore it's not an excuse to go sin, but then true believers don't want to sin. They don't want to run around and be like, Oh, look, I can do whatever I want. I have, uh, I have sin insurance, you know, uh, instead. So in, in this expectation discussion, right. It's still kind of this, some people knee jerk react and run to this like, Oh, so we can't have any standards. Uh, and I, I think I, that's the nuance I kind of want to answer. I kind of want to answer what about expectations for your kids? What about expectations for other believers? Because there is this reality that scripture says, you know, Hey, there, there are commands out there. They're very clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID has revealed that some people uh, don't have a high view of the church. And you can tell by the way that they attend or don't attend. Um, well, the Lord expects them to be a part of a church and plugged in, you know, and uh, I've learned some people hate the nine marks model of church. And, and I think maybe that's because nine marks brings to bear that every believer has a responsibility to the church. So as, as people who get that, is it unfair for us to communicate that expectation to other people? Is it unfair for us to hold those people accountable to that? Mm-hmm. So right there's an expectation. Or what about, um, you know, um, what about expectations for us as pastors to do our jobs? And so there is a sense in which, right, it is it is fair in some sense to say, hey, there is a standard. There are expectations. So I want to cover, I want to kind of go through that nuance a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Actually, I, you don't really think about um, expectations in that way. Uh, I guess the natural tendency is, you know, when people say expectations, we what we're trying to do is trying to hold them uh, to our specific unbiblical expectations a lot of the times. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's and that's the danger one, and yes. that's the th- I think the third or fourth podcast we did was on expectations, and so it would. If, if you're listening to this and you have no idea what we're talking about, you got to go into the archives, um, got to go into the archives and you got to do that. You got to look that up. So that's, that's kind of the expectation of, um, yeah, it's, it's fair, right? It's not fair for me to, to be like, Hey, look, you, my expectation is that you would come home and act and have the same agenda I have, you know, and today I have the agenda of I'm tired and I'm worn out because it's been a long day at work. And so when I come home, don't talk to me because I'm just tired. Well, that that's th- though that's all true. And, and though, though you may want that if you haven't, if your spouse hasn't agreed to that, then you're going to get into problems when you walk in the door and your spouse like, Hey, can I have some help on something? You're going to be like, Oh, you know, because that expectation 
is going to get in the way. And that, that's what that one pod, that's what the podcast from the archives was all about. So now let's ask a further detailed question. Is it okay to have expectations for your kids? Hmm. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So yeah. how do you process those? And I, I think to me, I process those, those expectations slightly different from the expectations that we talked about in the podcast. Yeah. But maybe you, I guess you have to frame it, I guess a little bit. Cause um, when we say, you know, not to have expectations, what we're really saying is, Obviously, God has expectations for the human race to to worship Him, but there's also the sense that God knows that we're sinners, and so you know there's there's a level of grace and mercy there. Um, so even with our kids, it's fair to have expectations for them, and even communicating those expectations, but also knowing that you're still dealing with sinners, um, you know, many of whom are who don't know the Lord, um, and are not believers. So uh, when we say expectations, I think there's a difference between expectations and like holding them uh, accountable or holding them to, uh, you know, um, a standard that, that, that they need to live by. Um, at the same time, not necessarily like, um, at the same time, having grace and mercy. Like yeah. there, there's a little bit of leeway and breathing room for them to grow and mature and yeah. Uh, well, and, and I, when looking back at the notes of that podcast from two years ago, I think we, we said you should expect other people to sin and to make a mistake. And right, that's why right. it's our job to rather than be upset with them, it's our job to expect them to do that and to maintain a servant mindset with them. Yeah, that's, yeah that makes Yes, that, that kind of completes the, uh, the thought there. Yeah. Yeah, cause we, we, because we do expect them to make mistakes, we expect ourselves to also help them and mature, you know, uh, in in a sense we're you know we're ministering to them so that's the expectation we have on ourselves all the time yeah i think of i think of my kids expectations kind of more in the lines of preparing them for adulthood and and also um is it fair to ask one person in the family to clean the house mm. you know and so and by the way this this was asked in the relationship study you know well whose job is it to clean the house well it's really up to you you figure it out as a family you know, if, if one of, if the husband's working, you know, all week, 50, 60, 40 hours a week and the, the wife is not and all things being equal, um, that family chooses, you know, for the wife to do all the housework in that way, then that's fine. Like there's a part of me, it's like, I'm not going to come in and nitpick that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same token, some guys, they are workaholics. And they want to come home and clean the house and they prefer to do it. And you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to necessarily nitpick that either. As long as that guy um, realizes that, that having that spending time with your family members is beneficial and it serves them. And that's a part of ministry. Yeah. And that's the hard part about relationships, by the way, is, you know, if, when I put a task list down, you know, at some level I can clean my office and I can see that done. I can make coffee and I can see that done. I can order more coffee and I can see the product of that. You know, I can, I can get the things that the family needs from the store and you can see that. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can write down on a checklist and you can look down and be like, I did that. I did that. Oh, hey, look, look at our bathroom. Our checklist came in order and our bathroom has been renovated. 
Our kitchen has been renovated. You know, um, we were able to help the Joneses and their project, but with people, you can't do that. Mm. You can't write down this list of like, um, kid grows into with integrity and look down and be like today, my kid has integrity. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, so some of these things are, are lifetime processes. And so for me, my, my, what I, when I think of the expectations for my kids, I think me as a parent with my wife, we are trying to prepare our kids to leave the house as fully functional adults. And so when we ask them to clean the bathroom, it's, Part of it is you live in the house, you help make the mess, you help contribute to the cleanup. But part of it all is also, look, if you're living on your own, you need to clean your bathroom. And so it's trying to show our kids that life, because you know the kids can be like, oh, dad, oh, I don't want to clean the bathroom. Why? Because you've got like four hours of school and you've got like 12 hours of free time and you want to spend that 12 hours doing entertaining stuff. Well, life's not just about entertainment. And so in that process to prepare your kids, you start to give them chores. Um, as they get older, you know, maybe you start to help them manage finances better. You know, you try to, you try to help them navigate those responsibilities because the reality is when they leave your house, they need to be prepared to do that. Mm-hmm. The, the lady, when Kyle, when Isaac went down to the DMV and was filling out his thing for the learner's permit, the DMV lady said, did you fill this out? And he goes, yes. And she looked at Kyla and said, you know how many kids don't know how to fill out their own forms and have their moms do it? And to me, I was sitting in the corner like, yeah, we were winners, you know, like <laughs> goal. But there's a, but there's a part of me that's like, how sad is that too? Mm-hmm. And so as parents, like to me, I don't want to baby my kids because adults who've been babied all throughout their childhood and, and, um, and teenage years, they, they, it's harder for them to do things mm-hmm. because at some point they do leave the house and now they, they don't know how to do these things. I don't want that to be my kids. So yeah. I want my kids to realize, Hey, life's not all pleasure. Life's not all entertainment. Life requires doing things you don't like. And so now to me, the expectation conversation gets important because now here's where the rubber meets the road. We've decided that our kids are going to grow up helping with housework helping do chores, being involved in, in um, helping make meals, helping cook, you know, sometimes cooking their own lunch. Um, we, we've decided they have these responsibilities. Now the, pro, now the question comes down to, and here's where I think the expectation conversation does cross back into uh, the drum beat that we have. How well do you expect them to do at that? Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Because there's some mom out there, and I already know, I would I would take this to Bellagio and bet on this, and they would not allow me to bet on it because they'd be like, no, sir, yeah. the odds are not in our favor. Exactly. Um, but some mom just heard, oh, could you imagine how bad my kid would do mm-hmm. if he or she cleaned the bathroom? It would not be clean. And, and that's the point. To that mom or dad, I want to say to you, listen, I get that if you, the first time you send your kid in to clean the bathroom, it is not going to be done well. Yeah. However, that commitment is not a one-time commitment. It is a lifetime commitment where you teach them, show them the standards, realize that they are going to drop the ball, that they're not going to do it perfect. And rather than being upset with them for their imperfect 
bathroom cleaning, continue to show them and guide them. Yeah. However, I would also say to that parent, you know, it might, you might also need to double check your standards because there are some, there are some people whose house cleaning standards. I mean, I appreciate it, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, maybe a little too high. <laughs> a little too, yeah. And that's where your spouse is helpful. Like if your spouse is like, honey, too high, yeah. maybe you need to be like, you know what? It's too high. Yeah. A lot, a lot of it too is like, it's, it's not just the, the, the chore itself, you're also really, um, you're also dealing with their heart because there's no kid who, well, I, I take that back. There's probably, a, you're, there are probably like, you know, uh, obsessive compulsive kids out there that love doing chores. Not my kids. <laughs> so, um, you, you're, you're, you're pulling, you're, it's, a, it's almost like you're, you're, you're battling the heart a little bit. Um, so it's, there's an attitude issue there that you have to deal with because no one wants to do uh, the, the chores they want to play they want to have fun no you're right and that's part of our parenting is is realizing when they're being lazy and when they're uneducated mm-hmm. so some mistakes or failure to live up to the standard and this is this is where we this is why we have to maintain a servant mindset right my job is to serve my kids in that function so if they're lazy then you have to address a lazy heart if if it's but sometimes you have a parent have to look back and say wait a minute did i equip them properly to do this you know go clean the bathroom and you don't have any cleaning supplies in the house but in your head you're like well all they had to do was take vinegar and mix 50 percent vinegar fix 50 percent water and they had a great cleaning thing that could have cleaned the whole bathroom with no problem Mm -hmm. but again the question is well how are they going to know that yeah yeah so there's still got to be that part of you that says hey i've got to serve my kids so I would encourage, like, I think of the things that I expect my kids, there's a part of me that's like, I, I want to adopt a teacher-leader mentality where I'm serving you and teaching you, realizing that you're not going to do it perfect. But if we can keep progressing you to be better and better and better as time goes, then that's what we want to do. You almost have to tell them, hey, you're going to hate this. Because <laughs> yes. uh, it's part of building that expectation into them. Like, you're going to hate this, but you have to learn how to do things that you hate. Yes. Uh, because that's part of life. Yeah. And, um, but you could find uh, satisfaction in, 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 in the work because at the end of the day, even if you hate the job, you did a good job. You could, uh, you could look up and say, I did a good job and um, I honored the Lord. Yeah. So you're you're teaching them that hard work is honorable. It's virtuous. Yeah. Uh, despite how you feel about the job. Yeah. Yeah. Cause one of my kids the other day said, I need you to clean the bathtub. He goes, but I don't use it. Said, okay. <laughs> he goes, mom's only takes baths. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, so, oh, so you don't take baths, so you don't need to clean the bathtub. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And I was like, why don't you love your mom and serve your mom? Mm-hmm. Ooh, mic drop. <laughs> yeah, he was a little, you know, a little, yeah, yeah, it was good. It's yeah. good for his soul to, to realize this. Well, that's the thing, too, too. Like, you're actually teaching them how to love people. Yes. Uh, and, and so you can't disconnect love from everything we do because what we're teaching them really is, right, you're teaching them how to serve their spouse one day. Um, you're teaching them how to teach their children one day. You're teaching them how to be around other human beings so that they, they you know, they could be enjoyed and, and liked and, and life is pleasurable and 
It's good. Yes. Oh, whoa. What's Ooh. going on? Get attack. Oh, that's my <laughs> episode, wife calling. Episode 50. <laughs> have you got attack? Yeah. That's my wife calling. Oh. Yep. I have a, I have a funny, um, I made a, I made a ringtone that I thought there's an irony to that ringtone that I don't know that I want to bring up on air, but if you want to know the story behind it, you can ask me in person. I'll tell you the story because I think it's funny. Fair enough. That, that, that ringtone is a joke. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, if you know what the ringtones do, I think it's funny because if anytime Kyler or one of the elders calls, it's, it's just to me, there's an ironic funny there. That's hilarious. So anyway, I'll just say that's what, that's what's going on. But anyway, um, yeah. So even kind of what you're saying with your kids there. Um, yeah, you're right. Love is a part of that. Uh, the reality that you live in a family, um, I even ask my kids, like, why is it that you can make a mess and we clean it up, but you can't clean up another person's mess? Because that's, that's the other thing that comes out is, is your kids will be like, uh, it's not fair that he gets to do this. And I have started saying to my kids, okay, if you want fair, I will treat you like you're him. You can go to bed at eight thirty. Um, you you can no longer FaceTime your friends. You can't have your job, and you can no longer learn how to drive. You know, or one of my kids will be like, "Why does he get to stay up later than I did? It's not fair." Okay, if you want fair, then I'm going to hold you to the standards that I hold my fifteen year old to. Mm-hmm. And because it's interesting, right? My kids have this expectation that if another one in the house gets to do it, then I get to do it. But, but that way of thinking really breaks down in society because if I go to work and I expect to be treated the same way the CEO is treated, you know, okay, well, you don't have the, you don't bear the responsibilities he bears. Um, if you park in his parking spot, they're going to tow it. Um, maybe not once, but at some point the is going to, I was going to go, wait a minute. I've seen that red car here 54 times mm. to the car. Mm. Um, and you're not getting paid for that. You're, 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 do, you're paid for one job to do that job. You know what I mean? You're paid for your responsibilities, do your responsibilities. And so though you may come in and be like, well, I expect to be paid like the CEO. I promise you don't, you're not going to the board of directors the same way that CEO is. And so in a sense, right. Uh, the one with more responsibility has, you know, uh, the the one that's higher up on the ladder has more responsibilities. With great power comes great responsibility, Spider-Man. Yep. yep. And But that's not necessarily an untrue statement. You know, uh, Stan Lee the would have been held, right, if, if all of a sudden every comic quits selling, the board of directors and the shareholders are like, Stan, what's the problem? What, what are you doing? Like, right? And so at some point, even, even the company's responsibility you know, a friend of mine was, you know, was, owns a company and one of his employees was training and complaining about a vacation he was going on. He's like, bro, like, you know, you you don't have these responsibilities. Like, you, mm-hmm. you weren't there when I started the company and I paid you and I didn't get a paycheck mm-hmm. because I had to pay you, you know. And so it's interesting, right? Like, there's they're just usually other people have details, a part of their life that I don't have. And it's easy to look to not 
you know, you always look at other, you always want to look at it in situations in a way that's favorable to you, mm-hmm. you know? And so, Oh, it's not fair that he gets to do this and I don't get to do that. Well, you're not the same kid. You're at different stages of your life. It's fair to hold a 15 year old to a different level of accountability than a five year old, you know? And it's also as a parent, I'm not going to ask my five year old to do something that a five year old can't do. And at the same token, because this, this is where problems arise more. Parents will say, oh, they can't do that. Yeah. At the same token, if in your head they, they can never do that because they're children, you're stymieing their growth. At some point, you've got to say, you know what? I've got to get in and I've got to teach them and I've got to get them going now on this. Yeah. 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 Very true. Uh, I, I always advise parents like when they're about to potty train. Like, hey, don't don't do it too early. You're gonna you're gonna create more problems than than you think. It's 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 uh you wanna you wanna wait till they're um they can communicate a little bit and they're ready because then you can teach them in one day and be done. Right. Yeah. Then one day method by yep. Gina Glimmer. Yes. Yes. All, all all five of them. Oh yep. no, not not the fifth one yet. So. Not not yet. Not almost. Yet. He's almost there. He's almost he's ready. almost there. And I'll be diaper free. Oh man. Yeah. Until the next one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's like, stop. Mm, I, can yeah. already, I can already hear her saying that. But I <laughs> but I think that's right. So so the expectations for kids, the way I the way I outline that is hey, listen, um, I will even acknowledge because here's where truth and preference discussion weaves into this this uh, tapestry, that that I will say to my kids, this is your mom and I's preference. Like it is not a truth issue. The Bible does not say that you need to prepare your own lunch. However, your mom and I are saying to you in the way that the house operates today, we want you to do this. Now in a way that's a Bible command because obey your parents. But on the other hand, I will happily let them know this is your mom and I's preference in the way we do things. When you have your own home, if you would, if there's a wiser way for you and your spouse to do it, then do it that way. But today we are asking you to do it this way because this preference works for us, you know, and to me, that's, that's, that's a part of the conversation um, that that's a part of the conversation that, um, that needs to, you know, uh, how do I say that? That's a part of the conversation that needs to be kind of had maybe is when is it okay to drop, right? When is it okay to ask other people to kind of follow your preference? Mm, yeah. Because Philippians two forces do not look out for your own personal interests, but the interests of others. And so, in a sense, I, I want to prefer other people. Yeah, I, I have thought about that because that's that's kind of where, like, there there is a privilege to that authority. Yeah. Sometimes, like, you could, you know, so, so um, right. Uh, sometimes the one in authority, uh, sometimes it's better to give them their preference because it just because they're leading, you know, they're leading the household. In our case, we're parents, we're leading the household, we're making the big decisions. So it's easier for us to do our jobs if our preferences are met. Um, at least with, with, with you know, with, with major things. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes I will let my kids have their preference. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like not a, yeah. it's not an issue. It's a non-issue uh, or a, like a non-directional issue, if that makes sense. You know, what kind of ice cream they want or something like that or where they want to eat for dinner and I'll give them that preference over, you know, over mine, which, it, it, you know, in their case on a Sunday, it's, it's Roberto's. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, and that, that's, that's the thing. I don't like to defend 
my preferences to people. But but I think what you're doing there is is wise though, because there is a sense in which um, we we tell people in the church, hey, prefer the the leadership style of other people when they're in the trenches. Mm-hmm. So the the people that are um, over children's church, I mean, I don't go to the children's church meetings. I pray for the children. I pray for the 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 people that that serve back there. I'm thankful for all of them. I I trust them. The last thing I want to do is manage that from a farm back. Well, here's what you should be doing. You know, uh, it doesn't mean people can't ask questions, but I want to you know you want to prefer the people in the trenches because they have the most information. And a lot of times their preference is the wise way to do it mm-hmm. in a way that fits his or her personality. Right. And so to me, sometimes that's where problems come is you come in and you say, well, I need you to prefer me uh, and do it this way. And sometimes you end up asking somebody to do something in a way that, that doesn't cater to their strengths, that isn't wise and, and actually is devoid of key points of information that makes your recommendation actually an unwise recommendation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like somebody comes to me and says, well, I think Gino should do more hymns. And it's kind of like, well, I hear you, but like Gino, why would you try to manage Gino's leadership style from here? Mm-hmm. You know, like some of those hymns that you're recommending are not easy to play without classical training. And here, not only are you saying we need to do hymns, but we need to do them in their classical lyrical composition. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we, you know, if, if Gino's not trained in that way, why would I want to make Gino do something that's not, that doesn't fit his piano strengths? Right. And I, I didn't know this for a long time. There's different ways to play piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and so that's what's interesting is somebody sitting in the back goes, well, why are, why are they not doing the, the, the classical? And then they go to another church that's got, you know, 50 paid musicians that um, live, live that are all trained in Nashville and, you know, uh, couldn't make it as a country music artist, but but decided that they could live in this city and, and work for churches and, and be professional musicians on stage. But that doesn't work for us. So, so in my mind... At that point, when you're the when you're kind of the the leader in the trenches, it's I think it's sometimes okay to look at someone and say, "Hey, I totally understand what you're saying. That doesn't work for me. So I've just asked people to follow my preference on this issue, right? Because that you know, and I also that to people too. Like I, I'm sure Caitlin can testify. There have been many times where I say I I have no preference on that. Whatever you prefer, and there's been some other times where I know I've said to her, "Hey, I would prefer it this way because it just." It if we do it another way, it's gonna it's gonna discombobulate me, and I don't want to be discombobulated through the process. I just mm-hmm. at this point, I just need it to flow natural for my thinking because of what I'm doing. Yeah, and there is an expectation there. Like for you know, for children's church, for example, um, there there is a level of uh, freedom that they have on how they want to do things. At least from my from from my leadership standpoint, since I am over you know children's church. But when it comes to discipleship issues, that's where we step in. So there is, uh, you know, we don't, we wouldn't put that expectation on them necessarily for 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 certain discipleship issues, right? Uh, but we would put that on us because, you know, that's that might be something that's a harder issue to deal with. Yeah, I think you, you know, th- this brings up why we want to have a podcast on um, 
how the elders understand our leadership with, as it relates to the church, Mm -hmm. because you're right. Like if, if, um, if the, if, if the person over sound comes to me and says, I'm having this problem with this other person in sound and that person's unreliable, you know, I put them on the schedule. They call me five minutes before, you know, they're supposed to be there and they're always canceling. Like in my mind, that's where I can prefer that leader. And we as elders can step in and say, Hey, it's been brought to our attention. We're going to be the bad guys here. Mm -hmm. You know, um, even though we would probably still at that level, try to, you know, get that guy to say, well, if you asked him what's wrong, if you know, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe he's not in your, your email or text thread, you know, maybe something weird's happening, you know, maybe there's an innocuous reason for it. Uh, but if it's flaky level, which unfortunately sometimes does happen in churches, we we've not had this problem by the way. So I'm not, we're not like ghosting or, or trying to subtweet anybody here with this <laughs> conversation. But yeah. um, but right at that point, like it, sometimes it is an innocuous reason. But yeah. all that to say that, um, generally, with family, to me, I would say this: Are your expectations for your kids? Why do you have that expectation? Right. Is it a preparation thing? Two, is your kid capable and equipped and trained to do that? Yeah. Because right, and those are all those are all are they capable? And even your 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 um your potty training one is really helpful there. Mm-hmm. You know, um your two month old is not capable of being potty trained. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and at the same token, your 15 year old is, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, are they equipped to do the job? Do you have toilets in the house? <laughs> um, and are, are they trained, right? Have you, have you talked to him about the standards? Have mm-hmm. you shown them, right? Hey, I need you to clean. I don't know how to clean the shower. Okay. That's fair. You might not know how to clean the shower. Let's go show you how to clean the shower. Yeah. You know, so, um, and, uh, and then even then I still expect them to mess up. I still expect them to make mistakes. And I expect to still try to serve them through that process. Yeah, I think. My, and then one thing that I've, you know, really picked up from you is like not 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 only in our relationship with our spouse, but with everybody. Really, you're you're learning them in the process, and that's really important because um, that's part of loving them and understanding their strengths and weaknesses. You cannot do that unless like you're you're intentionally learning who they are as a person. And we know all of our kids are different, um, but have you taken their differences into account when parenting them yeah. and leading them and asking them to do things? You, you do have to understand that some, you know, there's that, there's always that kid that just, for whatever reason, they just, they, they just, they can't do the dishes well for whatever reason. But yeah. one of them, you know, it was one of my kids loves loading. One of them loves rinsing for some reason. So, like, hey, let them do what they're good at, exactly. you know? Exactly. Work together. <laughs> well, because, and that that's even a part of it. If you can get them to, you know, what you're doing is you're observing their strengths and you're catering to their strengths, which yeah. is, I think, really helpful. Yeah. 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 That's really good because, yeah, I mean, and then you pre- you try to prefer their strengths in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always, I'm always a fan of whoever's holding the most weight in a team, you prefer that, that person's way of doing things as long as there's integrity and without sin, mm-hmm. you know, um, Obviously, if somebody's trying to manipulate or be sinful in a situation, then that's where you step in. Um, yeah. So even even as this curtails to the church, obedience, you know, and I know we talked about this in the last one, but right. Well, I expect you to 
you know, it's it's okay for me to expect my spouse to obey the Lord. Well, yeah, but and here's where expectation problems get into, right? And it's it's in how we respond. And so if I expect my spouse to obey the Lord because that makes my life easier, then I have the wrong reason for wanting them to honor the Lord. My reason is selfish. It's for my purposes. It's my benefit that you obey the Lord. Well, that's actually wrong. Like it's to your benefit that you obey the Lord. And I want you to walk rightfully with Jesus Christ. So if you're disobeying the Lord, then your status with the Lord is, is in stake here or, or an issue. And I want you to walk in holiness with the Lord. So for me, right at that point, the servant mindset shouldn't leave, Mm. you know, Hey, we noticed that you're not teachable. Okay. Well in your unteachableness, right. Um, that's disobedience and you're going your own way and you're doing things that the Bible calls foolish and unwise. So now we're stepping in, not because it makes life easier for us, not because it makes things better for us, but because for your sake, right. We are letting you know that the Lord does have some standards Mm-hmm. And these are very clear standards. And out of a love for you with the desire to serve you, how do we help you rethink and change your your way of thinking and living? You know, understanding still that the Holy Spirit must do it. But, right, so for me, that's where the expectation thing is right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, um, it, it's it's always difficult with, with um, family and especially kids because, you know, it's not like the relationship you have with with um with a church member, for example. You don't you don't um you don't discipline a church member uh, on that. Well, I guess I guess you, we do in a, in a in a in a biblical way. But I'm I'm talking about like you know punishment for our children versus you don't you don't punish a church member when they just dis- when they mess up. Um, in, in the kids' case, uh, sometimes uh, punishment's required. You know, if they're violent, they're Sometimes they they may need to be punished for uh, some of the behavior. I'm over here talking as Jason's uh, trying to catch Man, his breath. Here. I like took a drink and coughed at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm, my expectation okay. was to have no problems in this. Okay, podcast. I was like, oh, I hope you're not expecting me to do CPR or anything. Done. <laughs> so right. this this podcast just had a crazy turn of events. Yeah, we'll uh-huh. we'll call it Icarus. Yeah. So no, you're right, but but in terms of like with terms of family members. Right, that's where your understanding of are they a believer or not a believer? Are they a professing believer? But, you know, uh, again, it's easy to look. It's always easier to, to notice the sin in your family members' lives than it sometimes is to notice the growth or maturity or holiness um, when a family member is a believer. And so at that point, um, you know, my expectation is, for my, is to give the gospel to my kids and to share the gospel and even to point out sinfulness in a way so that I can tell my kids, well, no, the way you're thinking and approaching this is sinful. That's sin. That's rebellion against God. But ultimately I want you to be right with Jesus Christ, Hmm. but I'm talking about in the church. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, in the church, you look up and you say, Hey, you know, I notice, I notice this person has this problem. Well, the expectation is right. That, that that person would be righteous. Hmm. And unfortunately, the longer you go in a church, the more you realize and see the shortcomings and even the blind spots of people in the church. And so, you know, um, if you've been friends with all the elders for four or five years, you're going to know all of our weaknesses and strengths. 
And at that point, right, it's easy to say, well, the expectation is for you to be perfect. Hmm. And the answer is yes. However, the reality is none of us are perfect. Not, not this side of heaven. And so that's where I think even, even in the church, like I expect, you know, um, I expect for one of the elders to never sin. Well, that's not, that's, that's an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. Because that, that the text doesn't even say that above mm-hmm. reproach is this is common characteristics. Yeah. I think and the fair expectation is you expect an elder to be qualified. Yes. And you expect an elder to repent of his or his sin. Right. I almost said his or her, but not her. <laughs> you expect an elder to, um, you know, you always use his or her when you use in vague language. Yeah. Um, but you expect him to, um, you know, you expect a believer to acknowledge sin, confess it, ask forgiveness, and with, with a repentant heart and a desire to change their thinking. And that's the same for elders. Yes. So I, you know, I honestly think, yeah, that that's for a whole other podcast. But in in terms of sometimes I think what people's view of above reproach for an elder is never sins. Mm-hmm. Well, that's ridiculous. But I also know there, there's a group of people out there that think like that. And the second an elder makes a mistake, they're just fired, let go, removed, or they're disqualified. And that that's that's atrocious. Mm-hmm. Unrepentant sin is atrocious. So, uh, but but to think that an elder is never going to sin, that's well, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I guess there's always extremes to, yes. to to each issue. Yes, no, this is true, and I think that's where we we've tried to never really go down the roads of dealing with extremes because there's all sorts of problems with extreme views. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, there are pastors who are pastoring that shouldn't be pastoring. Yes, absolutely. So, and they uh, say the right things. Yeah, yeah. I we oftentimes think of those pastors as saying the wrong things. No, there are pastors that said the right things that are character-wise not above reproach. Correct. Yes. All right. So, but but in terms of expectations, just to summarize that point, if I expect everybody, I there is a standard, I, you know, and. When you come into church, like you'll you'll look at somebody like, well, I expect them to dress better. I expect them to, you know, or this this one gets common where somebody will say, "Did you guys say something to that lady that came into church on Sunday, and she was dressed inappropriately? She was all her clothes were too tight, and and she left nothing to the imagination." And you're like, "I didn't even see her," you know. And mm-hmm. I got that I got that letter a long time ago. I'm shocked you didn't say anything. Well, you wanted me to say something publicly to like. It was like a 15-year-old girl who had never been, was visiting with a family member, and you wanted me to say something publicly about it? Like, let, let's, you know, like that that would have been inappropriate too. Right. So, you know, again, but there there's where that person's expectation on me was to address it publicly, and it's like that's not even the best way to have addressed I mean, to shame her would have been atrocious, mm-hmm. you know. So that's where as members – You know, we have to realize, yes, other members are going to sin. People are going to come to church on Sunday. And hopefully the evangelism class, I think, has shed some light on this to to some of our church. You're going to have unbelievers come to church on Sunday. And if you expect everyone in the room to act like a believer, you are grossly mistaken in who is there on Sunday. There are sheep, there are goats, and there are are saints and there are ain'ts. And you have got to realize that the ain'ts and the goats are there and our job is to serve them Jesus Christ. So if you're appalled, you know, 
by, by something they do, you have, you just have to realize that's where it comes back to the, the same thing with your kids. Who are they? Are they believers? What do they know? What have they been taught? You know, if they came from one of these seeker sensitive churches, you how do you expect them to have a robust understanding of what it means to walk with Jesus Christ in a manner worthy of the gospel? You know, you can't expect that. So you've got to teach them and you have to use the word of God. And so there, there's that servant mindset coming through rather than expecting everyone to come in and having their life perfectly in order because they're at church on Sunday. And what's funny is I hear that a lot sometimes in the older generation all these young people coming to church and they'll say something. Now, nobody, none of the older people in our church say this, but you know, I've run into some people who, oh, and these young people. And it's like, what, what is your expectations? Like you pride has developed as you've gotten older. And, and this is not a good biblical approach. That's not an unloved. That's a very unloving, selfish approach to other people in the church. And so that, that's where those expectations can falter. So yes, it is true that God expects our obedience, but it's also true that he expects us to go to those people. And at that point, if they don't know, they're the weaker brother. And it's in their lack of knowledge where their weakness flourishes. And in their weakness, it leads to behavior that is not holy. Uninformed people do not, do not naturally walk in a holy manner, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. They may be saved and they may be set apart and made holy, but that doesn't mean they're walking in holiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it kind of, it's coming full circle, you know, we kind of talked about a bunch of different topics as we reflect on different, on the different responses over the years. And it, it does come down to biblical wisdom and um, the ability. So, right. Wisdom is like, it, it, it's broad yes. because you have a bunch of information. And the question is now, what are you doing with all this information? So you walk into church, you're 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 putting your expectations um, at bay because you're you're really observing and learning, and you're asking the question: All right, God put me here, and He's gifted me to serve these people, and everyone's at a different point of their walk with God. Uh, people, uh, everyone needs to mature. No matter who you are at church, you 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 need to mature. Yes. You need to grow in holiness, yep. and so um, you know you, you might be the person that the Lord uses, but in wisdom, uh, you're asking the question, how can I serve these people? That's the expectation. And that's where the, you know, as a church member, you're putting that expectation on yourself. Yep. Asking the question, okay, I need to, I would like to be, I think maybe the Lord could use me in this situation. You pray and you ask the Lord how, how you can serve people. And, and that's how, that's really how love works. And yep. when everyone's doing that, you really have a beautiful community. Yeah, because yeah, and you're right. This this is coming full circle with wisdom, and that's right. Wisdom is broad, mm-hmm. and yet it's deep. Um, and if you're burdened for somebody, right? I mean, if that person's really bothering you, maybe that's the Lord burdening you to go to go love that person with long suffering and patience. Uh, I really wish most of us would think a little bit longer on how God would view us if we if He viewed us the same way we viewed other people. Mm-hmm. Like all of us love God's grace. And the unfortunate part is sometimes we're slow to show that to other people. Right. You know, we, we become the guy that had a billion dollar debt uh, forgiven, but we are going to hold you accountable to the Snickers bar. You know me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, and, and the problem is we forget how forgiven we are. And, and as Jesus said, the one who's been forgiven much loves much. 
And so that, which of course that's a reverse way of talking about pride. So when you're, when you're really good and, and nothing in you stinks, well, then you're not going to love much mm-hmm. because you're, you're the man or the woman. But the problem is you're not, we're none of us are that like all of us are broken people saved by God's grace. So, yeah. So in a, in this kind of precursor, um, just to talk, we talked a little bit about family expectations, mm-hmm. uh, that it's, you know, understand what those expectations are. Um, talked about church cause it is fair. God does expect stuff from us. He does expect holiness, but again, he also expects us to minister to people mm-hmm. the same way he ministers to us. Um, and the different, the key, key difference there, and this is huge, is he's judge, I'm not. Mm. And I think that's huge. Um, interestingly enough, in our pre-notes, we talked about wanting to talk about truth versus preference. Is it okay to ask someone to prefer your approach? And we talked about that. Um, expect them to mess up. We talked about that. Um, but what's interesting, and and we'll, we'll take the, the God is judge, and let's move that into one other thing, because yeah. we talk a lot about loving people and being kind and gentle and patient. And there's so many scripture verses, mm-hmm. Galatians six, one to two, you who are spiritual restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Second uh, Timothy two, 24, 25, you know, uh, the Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but patient with all and kind and gentle so that the Lord may lead them to repentance. You know, um, love your enemies. Uh, when somebody insults you, turn the other cheek. Um, when somebody's being a bear and they want you to go one mile, go two miles with them. Uh, you know, Romans 12 kindness heaps burning coals on their head. Uh, vengeance is mine. Mm-hmm. Vengeance, my mind being the Lord. Well, what, what sometimes gets raised to me is this idea of tough love. Now I wanted to find tough love okay, because, um, what I hear one, if, if in your mind, tough love is telling somebody the truth. Like if what you're hearing us say is never say anything to that person about their sin, right? Never point out their sinfulness, never address that. So in some, in some, in that situation, sometimes say, Hey, sometimes you need to use tough love and tell them the truth and just be very specific in what you tell them. I a hundred percent agree with that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's the hardest reality that sometimes the unteachable will, they become like time leeches and they, they leech all of your time because all they want to do is tell you their problems and they never, they never want any advice. They don't want to learn. They don't want to grow. They enjoy the sympathy process from you. As Ramil has said a couple times, sympathy is addictive. Is it fair at some point to say to that person, Bobby Sue? There's no Bobby Sue's on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Right, but it's a very famous name in the South. Um, I love you, but your problem is you're not teachable. You're not willing to change. It's everybody else's fault, and you're always the victim, and you're not always the victim. That kind of tough love, yes, we are not saying no to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not like, no, of course. But, but hey, I realize when I tell Bobby Sue you're not, that you're not teachable, and that, that perhaps this whole thing where you catch my attention and then dump for an hour and a half all your problems onto me and then walk away, that's not healthy for either one of us. Now, if you were teachable, then that might be healthy because now we can talk through some issues. Um, 
So that kind of tough love I'm okay with. And I think I even had a post about that not too long ago uh, because in talking to a couple different uh, armed services chaplains and a handful of pastors, all of us, this is the problem with making a post like that. Somebody's like, oh, are you talking about so-and-so? But look, if, if you needed me to write names down, which I'm not going to do because I don't, one, I'm not going to, don't necessarily think you need to know that. Mm-hmm. All of us would need two, three, four hands to write down the amount of times we've experienced this. Like this is more common than people realize. It's so common that I think a lot of us just overlook it and just think it's the way people are. And at some level it is the way people are, but it's also a pride issue. And at some point you've got to address the pride issue. If you love them, listen, you're always coming to me with 6,000 of your problems. Never is this any of your fault. You make no changes. You don't take my advice. Why are you coming to me? How can I help you? And I think it's a fair question to ask. Mm-hmm. So in that way, tough love, yes, because your, your goal is not, oh, I just need to stop listening to this person. Um, you're realizing, hey, it's not going to happen. Like, like continuing this process is not helping him or me out. Mm-hmm. Right. Continuing this, but we've got to stop. Yeah, you're basically feeding the me monster. Yes. At that point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now. Is there another version of, there's love? another version okay. of death love. Yeah. And this one is atrocious. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in fact, a really sad story. And I'm going to use names. Like I normally don't use names, but this time I'm going to use names. Oh, no, I'm not going to use names. I'm not going to do it's it. Like, oh, you're going to name drop? I know. Okay. Well, this guy, I've actually, this guy kind of, the funny part is he's, he's, was a lot of people think he's like key in the reform circles, but even the reform people are like, no, the guy's theology is out to lunch. So he's not even classic reformed, but it's kind of interesting either way. So there's this idea that tough love means it's okay to insult people. And it's, at some point, Gino, it's just okay for me to be harsh to you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's okay. Uh, yeah, you have crossed the line, and now my tough love requires me to insult you and belittle you and defame you. And then, I kid you not, every time the response is, well, that's what Jesus did. And I, so somebody tells me this, and I said, listen, brother, I will, I will, I, my heart wants to go with you because do you know how many times personally just confession that sometimes I want to look at somebody and be like, you're an idiot. And, and I just need you to know that. Like, and it's just cause I'm impatient. That's really what's happening is my impatience has come to the, to the forefront. And so what, what happens is they, they like to send me this YouTube link to this kind of semi-famous pastor mm-hmm. and the semi-famous pastor waxes eloquently on why it's okay to be harsh to people. And I'll never forget in the video they sent me, John Piper gives a retort Mm. and I don't need to watch the video. So I kind of start scrolling through the comments and the comments are Piper's woke. Oh, Piper's this Piper's that Piper's gone off the deep end. Piper's a liberal Piper. And I was like, wow, whatever Piper's going to say, we're going to say really, really like, like Piper abandoned the faith. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the, the saddest part to me in the whole thing is Piper's response should have been amen down the road. Mm. And what I've realized is for some people, 
What did he say, by the way? Do you yeah, know? I'm going to get there. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, this is building the suspense. Oh, it's working. Yes. <laughs> For some people, they they are trying to justify their harsh behavior. And I really think that's why this guy is popular, because he does not have a problem insulting people. That's interesting. And I think he's justifying it. And the best thing, Piper says this, you're right. Jesus did say that. There is a huge difference between Jesus and us. Mm-hmm. This is Piper. Jesus is God. We are not. That to the T nails it. The Lord, when he turns over the tables, is God in the flesh. To say, to look at Jesus in his actions and say, see, Jesus did it so we can do it, is, to, is actually a form of denying the incarnation of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about this yesterday. It is a denial of the incarnation because at that moment you're almost you're really saying Jesus is 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 man and he's my savior and I can do exactly like him. Mm-hmm. No, I cannot do exactly like him because I didn't create the world. I don't sustain the world and I don't judge the world. And last time I checked, those are all attributes of the triune God. So I'm not the triune God. I am now a representative made in the image of God, a servant of God. And there is clear revelation to me on how I'm to address people and communicate, including the aims, the goals, the motives, and the words I use. So yes, my aim is to lead you to Christ. My goal is to honor Christ. My desire and motive is to see you better off with Christ And so I think we have to do warfare the way Christ does warfare. And the way Christ tells us to do warfare is going back to Galatians 6. You you who are spiritual brethren, restore. Okay, so if I'm talking to another brother in sin, rather than baseball bat to the head, brother, you know, even the unruly, the admonishment there is not, admonished in English now has this harsh undertone. But then the admonish in the Greek is is just teach them, nuthetic, like teach them. Mm-hmm. Like you need to con- you need to address them with the word of God and and show them. Be be clear. Um so at that point, right, like but the second Timothy two twenty four and twenty five is a little more all encompassing because the bond, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but able to teach with kindness and patience, right? And so my goal is to address this person who may be an unbeliever with the word of God so that the spirit of God can work. Not that I empower the spirit of God, but that's exactly what the text, in fact, I should just read the text because I keep, I keep kind of butchering my own little paraphrase here. Uh, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient with wrong, with gentleness, correcting those who are in, oppos- in opposition. Why? If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Mm-hmm. I am a mouthpiece, but what's interesting is Romans 2.4, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. So if I'm harsh to the person... Sometimes my harsh language drowns out the content of what I'm saying. And the person leaves, and they don't remember the words I spoke. They remember the harshness that I addressed with them. 
And then they go home and like, oh, those Christians. And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, you're not, you're not entirely wrong. And then I, I can hear it because they'll say, well, but they should have listened yeah. to me. Well, yes, but you were unwise and impatient. So what happened is what, what this encounter usually exposes to the harsh person is that your aim is off, your motives are off, your goal's off, and you have probably forgotten that you're not in the seat of judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why in Romans 12 he says, vengeance is the Lord's. You be kind, you honor all people, you do your job. And, there's a, and this is where David becomes the best example, right? Because David was told, David, you're king. And then David walks around with Saul staying king, and David never kills Saul. And when asked, David's like, well, I'm not the judge. God will take care of his when it's time. And I think that's the godly approach for us to have. Look, yeah, yeah, I don't want, I want the child molester to face judgment. I also want the child molester to come to know Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- this is actually kind of a little closer to the heart lately with, with the, the, the baby death mm. that I don't want to talk about on air, but um, that we, that we kind of experienced. Um, I want that couple, if they're guilty to face punishment. And at the same token, I want that couple to find grace in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think it's fair to want both, but, but right. If I'm thinking from a banquet table perspective, I would rejoice if they were both sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting because if you, if you follow the ministries that use harshness as their form of ministry, you will find that um, what you find is a wake of destruction and, and manipulation because what harshness does is it either uh, makes a person disillusioned or, or or you get results and and you get short-term results but what you, you what you've just created is a harsh minister as well and I, I think i mean you know i think most people have already listened to rise and follow marcel you can kind of that's kind of a, a teachable kind of situation there and um obviously i don't know all the details but it seems like if everything that was presented was true, um, I, I could, I would, you know, like confidently say that harshness is is not the way of ministry. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, Jesus turning over tables, other than the 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 character of Christ and and the incarnation, it's just poor exegesis to to say to walk away from that text saying that that text is teaching us to turn over tables. Because yep. if you if you were to preach that text, the application is not okay. Now go into, uh, go into the go into the church and start turning over people's tables. No, absolutely not. Um, there's you you would have to think you're going to need to think long and hard before you, if that's your application. Because yeah. I don't think you can take it, take that away from that text. No, we've ex- we've I don't know if you remember we there was a street preacher that came to our church and was like, I'm going to go into the Catholic church and like demolish all their idols. What do you mm-hmm. think? And I was like, I think you're going to be arrested. Yeah. And he was trying to pull the whole wall. That'll be persecuted for God. No, no, yeah. bro. That's called vandalism. Like, yeah. yeah, like I agree with you, but that's not the way to go about doing this. Right. Right. No. And that's, you know, I think we've all been there at some point. And, but when we've been there, it's because we, uh, we were immature yes. and we did not know the character of the Lord. The, the deeper we know the character of the Lord, it's like, uh, we realize, oh, I don't think the Lord would actually have done. I mean, so what the Lord did, He did 
for for maybe from the seat of judgment um and and also from the seat of protection i mean i think you know i mean if if there's another perspective there i if if he was uh using his authority to to protect those that were being t- abused and, and in a sense there was a, a lot of abuse in that temple uh, poor people being abused and the the neglected orphan the neglected widow i mean there's a lot of abused people in jesus day so th- there's a there's a few explanations at least so i don't yeah. think you can walk away from there and just, just start turning over t- tables in, in a different yeah. you know in, in someone else's yeah so that's that's one thing and then uh yeah so those those are the two things my, my thoughts as you're th- talking there um the, the New Testament very clearly teaches that the Lord's bondservant is to be uh, patient and kind. Yep. So Ephesians I, 4 1, walk yeah. in a manner worthy of the gospel to which you've been yeah. called, long suffering, patience, yeah, and gentleness. Then, yep. You brought up warfare. Warfare, you know, after going through Ephesians, the, the imagery you usually have with warfare is violence, but it's interesting. The imagery in um, Ephesians is. Warfare is to stand firm in all that he has taught us in his character and what it means to walk worthy, uh, which is really uh, the goal is unity and the only way to achieve that is love. And so if if you're going to do Christian warfare, then you're going to actually love people. Um, and that is an upside down world that, I mean, it's an upside down kingdom that we live in. That's why it makes sense, right? Because it's like, oh, our kind of warfare. So if you look at the the secular world, conservatives who have probably the same values of us uh you know share the same values as us um go to war and their war is is violent sometimes it's or it's very harsh and sometimes christians take the cue from the secular conservatives but i don't think we necessarily have to be like them we are to be if we're going to actually represent um the same virtues let's represent it the way christ represented them it's with patience and kindness and wisdom and uh long suffering and yep. and yep. teaching you know so yeah it's a completely different way of life and that's why the christian way is is radical i mean right it if it's it's the reason why it's radical it's because it's loving so. yes yeah it's the way the way of the the way to kill the heart is right it's a it's a it's a silent warfare the holy spirit pierces yeah Yeah. and and unbelief warfare is overpower and squelch and i think the balance there that you mentioned earlier is that you do have to speak you do have to speak truth the question is now how do you do that um how do you teach truth and there's a way to do it um, yes with with patience and kindness where you're still you're not excusing evil yes you're still standing on truth yep um but you're not, you know, there's, there, the, the, you're not, you're not being harsh. You're not. Ki- you're, there's, there's some people who actually have, have resorted to violence and and even killing. And well, I was uh, going to say you, the the Pharisees are the perfect example of that. Yeah. Who gave Jesus the hardest time? And it was very harsh religious people. Right. And as um, Emil Schur had noted in in his five volume work on um, Jews on the Jews of the intertestamental time. A lot of their theology was really good. Mm-hmm. And Jesus actually, he actually says, listen to what they say, but don't do like they do. And then in Matthew 23, 15, he calls them, what do you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites? Because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte and he becomes one, but you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Mm-hmm. So even what you're saying, the followers of those who are like that tend to be worse. And in a sense, 
that that kind of approach is attractive to some people. And if it's attractive to you who's listening, you need to you need to realize that that's that's a fleshly attraction. That that's not courage, that's not boldness, that's not strength. That is sin. And that's what it is. It's pure sin. It's not it's not okay because mm-hmm. it's either sinful in the sense that you think you can be like God in the flesh man, Jesus Christ, and be the judge, jury, and the and the one that drops the verdict. Or you're not the government, so, so you don't get to drop the gavel and the and the judge. Right? Normally he drops the gavel and says guilty. He doesn't look at him and say you you know, he doesn't drop worthless, you know, he doesn't sit there and then turn around and insult the guy. Mm-hmm. Um now he may later, but but that's usually that's usually posturing, political posturing. Mm-hmm. But even then we don't we're not doing that because we're trying to win the heart. Mm-hmm. And we're we're trying to show them that that though there may be consequences for your actions. But you're right. It's immaturity on our part because we get impatient. Um, and it is. And I, I listen, to be fair, I get it too. Cause sometimes some people make you want to go beat your head against the wall mm-hmm. and it's the unteachableness. And that's actually always helpful to me. Cause one, it reminds me, Lord, I still need you Two, It reminds me that, man, I, you know, I'm not perfect. And then I also, I also always chop and think, okay, this, I promise you, God thinks like this towards me about something. You know, like, oh, there's something I do that God's like, well, it's a good thing, right? But he knows I'm going to be perfected. Mm-hmm. And I forget that in other people. Look, if this person's really a believer, he or she will be perfected. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there there are hard passages in the Old Testament just not to, you know, um, not to ignore them. Yes. Uh, and, again, I think you have to do good exegesis to, to ask the question, what is it trying to teach us? Um, about God in that situation, and is is he is it trying to teach us to to respond the same way God responds to his enemies? Um, yeah. And I don't think number one, I don't think that's what it's teaching us. Now the harder question is what now is, is that part of God's um, is God communicating something specific in those passages? Uh, yes, and we have to you have to do good exegesis to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. but it doesn't allow us to take to be. I mean, God does is unique. He is judge and jury. Mm-hmm. ultimately yeah so. and he's the perfect judge he is the perfect, he's judge. The perfect jury because he's yes. omniscient he's omnipresent he knows your thoughts he knows what you did um he doesn't buy into the poor excuses that we give each other yeah he's absolutely um yeah and and even god tough love mm-hmm. you know you who are evil if if god knows how to give you who are evil good gifts i mean say yeah you know he doesn't and that's you know that's a whole other topic but I think some people are responding to the really bad ecclesiology sermons that are out there where pastors won't talk about sin and they won't. And then you're, when you start dealing with people who are kind of in those churches where the, where there's no sin and you know, God loves you. I, I get it. When we talk about, when we talk about God's love, we're talking about a love that is defined by the truth that is willing to speak truth for the betterment of that person willing to lose that person if that's what if that's what it means, right? If you're going to cut ties with me because I was loving and spoke the truth to you, then okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But I think a lot of us realize some of those churches out there are not willing to say the hard things because they're afraid of losing people, right? And that that is the big difference for us. Mm-hmm. You know, is there's a part of me that's like, yes, I don't want to lose somebody because I think it's good for your soul to be here under our leadership. 
and a part of this church that's going to love you and serve you and speak the truth to you. But I also realize some people, they're not looking for pastors or a church to speak truth. They're looking for a place to feel comfortable and they have other motives that are ungodly. Mm-hmm. And, and so I realize sometimes people leave and it's heart wrenching because you love them. It's heart wrenching because of a hundred reasons. And sometimes they leave for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they leave for reasons that are sinful and you go, okay, Lord, mm-hmm. I mean, it's right at the end of the day, you have to trust God. Yes. That, you know, that, that his people are going to be around the banquet table. And even if their departure here um, was bad, you know, or their departure here hurt, when we see him around the banquet table, there's that hurt's not going to be there. Right. Yeah. And so, right. That's good. Yep. Yeah. That's helpful. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I think we, we have other issues we want to talk about. Um, so we have some stuff coming up, I think. Hopefully the we have a textual critical one coming up because uh, we're going to talk about John eight one to eleven. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got one on evangelism. Uh, we want to talk about gray issues. We've not hit gray issues yet. I'll talk a little bit about uh, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about rated R movies. Some of those kind of gray issues that people struggle with. Right. Um, I'll talk about um, the way we lead the church as elders kind of the way we see the elder working with the different teams and the different team leaders. Um, evangelism. Yeah. yeah. Defining key roles of every member. Looking forward to it. Yeah. we got a lot coming up. Yeah, so if we could remember it. Well, no, I wrote them down this time. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. It's great. Um, okay. Well, I don't know how long we've been on here. Yeah. Um, the recording device actually doesn't tell me in time. So, uh, but this was good. Uh, hopefully this was helpful to you. Hopefully it served you. Uh, Again, we're still learning. We're still growing. And so if you have questions or feedback, uh, we always welcome it. Uh, if you're not a member of Cornerstone and you're listening to this uh, in another state, country, uh, we just want to remind you that we defer to your pastors and their wisdom for you. So disregard us. Listen to them. Be thankful for them. They love you. They pray for you. They serve you the word of God. Um, write them an email. Tell them you love them offer to buy him a book. Sometimes their reading list is really long. So ask them where their favorite coffee shop is, buy him a cup of coffee, buy him a meal. Mm. Um, but, but just know that they love you and mm. listen to them before you listen to us. Mm. Unless you're cornerstone, then we're here for you. We're, your, we're your peeps. All yeah. right. We we'll love you.